encourage you to lift up your hands here this morning. Precious Lord, I sense your spirit. I sense your spirit that sets us free, that fills us, that comforts us, that convicts us, that changes us. Be God. Show us your glory, God. Show us your glory, God. Show us your glory. In the name of Jesus, show us your glory. Oh, wow. You may be seated. You may be seated. Give him a praise offering one more time. I'm on your way down. Let me begin by expressing gratitude for your beautiful prayers last week. As you well know, last week we had the opportunity, or actually a little bit, eight days ago, we had the blessing of ministering to, now the, the final headcount came out, to 30,000 men that gathered at the AT&T Stadium. And, and I, was, I was the closer of the event, and it's just a pretty amazing how God showed up, the, your, your prayers. Uh, your prayers, just the anointing, the power of Jesus, the, the, the response of the glory of God filling AT&T, that, that stadium. So it was just wonderful to see just 30,000 men lifting up the name of Jesus. The beauty of the event, the diversity of the crowd is much reflective of the DNA of New Season, of what makes us unique to a great degree. It was just great to see all men, different stripes, different colors, different, just different geographical areas from, the, from America coming together and just that's how many were set free, how many came up for salvation, deliverance, and healing. And how many believe God's up to something? It's now been recognized as the largest faith gathering since COVID started, coming out of COVID. So pretty amazing indeed to God be the glory. And thank you for your prayers. Uh, pray for that t-shirt. It was a little one size smaller than it should have been. Uh, but it helped, it helped me breathe. Jason Fordick made me wear it. Judges chapter 16. Today we wrap up the Holy Hippie series. Here we go. This is Samson. If you've been here throughout the course of the series, raise one hand. If you haven't, let me encourage you to go to the podcast. Go to our app, our website. Listen to every single impartation. It will bless your life indeed. It's the life of Samson. Samson was a judge before the kings were established over God's people, Israel, they had a system of judges. God would ordain judges. These are the people that would serve as the de facto leaders. And Samson is one of these judges, but he is trajectory. This is the first Avenger, the first Superman. If you're DC Comics, if you're Marvel, the first Avenger. Uh, and he had some issues. He was strong, and I mean arguably one of the strongest men to ever live. Yet he has some weaknesses. You could be both strong and weak. That dichotomy, that, that tension. So he had this amazing amount, this great ability, but this likewise great inclination to, hmm, yeah, other stuff. Judges chapter 16. This Samson, because he was both strong and weak, and I don't know about you, doesn't that define you and I? Don't we have strengths and weaknesses? So we're not all strong and we're not all weak. So he had this. He had a hard time managing the weaknesses. And his ego and his pride was just, 
wow, bigger than both his strength and his weakness. And because of that, he had a moral lapse and he fell in love with this woman named Delilah and she placed him on his lap. You know the story. If not, she convinces him to tell her his secret sauce, the source of his strength. He exposed in detail his sacred covenant with God. She took advantage of it. The mucho malo hombre showed up, the Philistines. They took him. They ripped out his eye, eyes, literally gouged out his eyes. First thing the enemy does is come after your vision. Because without vision, my people will what? So the, the first thing the enemy does, he doesn't come after your money first and your health first. He comes after your vision first. If he can take away your vision, everything else will fall in place. So the Philistines, being cognizant of the fact that if we can take away his eyeballs, he won't be able to see. Therefore, he won't be able to do us any more harm or stop us. They took away his sight. And then the rest of the story. Judges 16, verse 23. Judges 16, 23. The Philistine rulers held a great festival. Now, he's, under, he's in captivity now, Samson. He's in prison with no eyes, chained up. His hair began to grow back. The Philistine rulers had a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their god, Dagon. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their God. Our God has destroyed our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now. This story of Samson has to do more with alcoholism than anything else. How many times did we bring up like alcohol during Samson's story? Half, half dilly dilly, half drunk by now. The people demanded, bring out Samson so he can amuse us. This guy became a clown. That's the way the enemy treats you, the way he gets you. The moment you fall into the enemy's trap, he thinks you're a clown. He uses your life to amuse others. This is what happens when you fall into the enemy's trap. Therefore, avoid Delilah's lap. Oh, amuses. He was brought from the prison to amuse them, and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, man, he even needed help. The most, the strongest man on the planet found himself where he couldn't even go anywhere without help. Place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. The temple was completely filled with people. The Philistine rulers were there. They were all there. Somebody say all of them. No, you've missed it. Every single person responsible for Samson's demise was there. Not 90% of them, not some of them. All his haters were there. All his detractors were there. Everyone who ever spoke ill about him from the Philistines was there. Everyone who conspired against him was there. All the rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Then, this will preach all by itself. Then, Samson prayed to the Lord. And his first line, see, this will preach. This is his first line. 
He doesn't say, you know, why have you forsaken me? He doesn't say, why am I here? The whole victimization mentality, the whole woe is me, the whole I can't believe. No. He begins by declaring, sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord means the Lord who rules over everything. The one who has the power, who has the final word, the ultimate authority, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the host of hosts and the Prince of peace, Sovereign Lord. And he says, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for this pearl vision reality. And Samson put his hands on the two center pillars, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed again, let me die with the Philistines. Ooh, he was willing to die for his comeback. And the temple crashed down on the rulers. He killed more people when he died than he had killed during his entire lifetime. All right. So I want to speak to you on the subject matter. It's not over until God wins. It's not over until I win. Tell your neighbor it's not over until God wins. It's not over until I win. I'm going to give you one more biblical reference. Hebrews chapter 11, the New Testament. And it says this. Verse 32. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith, the champions of faith like Gideon, Barak, and Samson. Stop. Samson appears in the hall of faith. Let me repeat that. Obviously, that means he's in heaven, he, that, that, he, that, but that's not the point. Samson is in the hall of faith. Samson is in the hall of faith. How can the man who slept with prostitutes, touched dead animals, bragged about his triumphs, shared his sacred secret, broke the Nazarite covenant, slept with Delilah, with all his weaknesses, Samson is in the hall of faith. How in the world did Samson make it to the hall of faith? Number one, why? Because with all his weaknesses, Samson never stopped praying. We just saw two examples where he prayed twice. Your prayer is greater than your weakness. I'm going to repeat that for someone here. Your prayer is greater than your weakness. Your prayer is greater than your weakness. Is there anyone in this auditorium, anyone online, that you are fully cognizant? Matter of fact, you can bear witness that your prayer is greater than your weakness. That when you were weak, your prayer, you prayed to God, to the sovereign Lord. Your prayer is greater than your weakness. It's not over while you still have a prayer. Two words when he prayed. And Samson prayed to the Lord and said, remember me. Somebody say, remember me. These two words should sound familiar. Jesus is on the cross. On one side, rebellion. On the other side, repentance. And on the side of repentance, that man said, remember me. While God forgives and forgets your sins, he never forgets when you call out his name. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13. For God is not unjust. Hebrews 6, 10. He will never forget how hard you work for him. 
What? Every time you pray, every time you lift up your hands, every time you worship, every time you take care of the poor, the sick, the hungry, the needy, the orphan and the widow, every time you speak up in, in favor of righteousness and speak out against injustice, God remembers and it says he will remember. Psalm 119.49 says, remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. Somebody say, remember me. I, he, this man is here. He is here. All his haters are here. And all of a sudden, he says, Sovereign Lord, remember me. No, I'm going to put this in perspective. Not the weak me. Not the sinful me. Not the broken me. Remember the me that you promised my parents. Oh, man. Remember the me that you called from the womb. Is anybody here right now? Somebody needs to say, remember me. Not the one that messed up, but the one that you prophesied to. Not the one that failed you, but the one that had faith in you. Remember me. Just like Samson, when you are weak, when you are broke, bruised, or blind, when it seems like it's over, open your mouth and make the prayer that places you on the list that truly matters. One more time, somebody this morning shout, remember me. Remember why you placed me on this planet. Remember I feel the Lord. Remember your original purpose for me. Remember the promises you made me. Remember your covenant. Remember when you said that goodness and mercy would follow me all the days of my life. Remember when you said in John 10, 28, that nothing would take me away from your hands. Remember, remember, remember when you said you would give me eternal life, abundant life, and new life. Hey, Lord, remember when you said not only would I be saved, but my family. Somebody say, remember me. Remember my family. Say it if this is for you. Remember my children. Remember my nation. Remember me. Is there anyone here so desperate for a breakthrough? You're willing to pray, remember me. Remember me. He said, remember me. But not only did he ask God to remember him, he remembered who he was in God. All of a sudden, he remembered who he was. He remembered who he was. It begins with him. That's why I, if I would only title this sermon, it's not over until I win, it becomes quasi-humanistic, self-absorbing, and it's about us. And when we come to God's house, it's only about us after it's all about him. Because there's no us without him. Are you with me right now? So if I give you 12 step, 10 steps on how to improve your life, that is meaningless unless Jesus is the everything of the improvement. So not only did he remember him, he, he remembered who he was. Are you ready for this? He rediscovered his purpose in his pain. Is there anyone here who discovered or rediscovered your purpose in the midst of your pain. This is going to sound counterintuitive to some. Some people have discovered their faith in the midst of failure. If you've been there, raise your hands. Ooh, you're, you can find your purpose in your pain. 
You can find faith in the midst of failure. Oh, Samson did that. Samson did. Why is this important? Because you can't defend what you cannot define. I want you to write that down. He, he was about to defend the cause here, the righteous cause of God. But he had to define God and himself first. You can't defend what you cannot define. God doesn't require you to come out of where you are in order to discover who you are. I want to repeat that. God doesn't require you to come out of where you are in order to discover who you are. He will tell you who you are in order to come out of where you are. In other words, when you know who you are in Christ, you will never be held back by where you are in life. I'm here to tell someone you are not where you are. You are not how you are. You are not what others did to you, and you are not what you did to yourself. You are who God says you are. You are what God says you are. It's not about where you are in life. It's about who you are in Christ. Your identity in Jesus will bring an end to your captivity in life. Oh, boy, today is that day. It's time, Samson, for you to become who you already are. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Raise your right hand. I almost want to speak this over to you. You are complete in Christ. I'm going to say some things that, that is just going to affirm you. You are 100% holy. What you do may not be holy, but who you are in Christ is. Therefore, pivot. Let your style match your substance. Your identity is sanctified. Now your activities have to match your identity. You are not what you do. You are what he did for you. Are you with me? And in Christ, you are where you are, hidden in Christ Jesus. If you receive that, give him one praise offering right now. Does that make any sense? Well, how did the man who did so many bad things end up in the Hall of Fame? I mean, you got to be kidding me. Out of all the people in the Hall of Fame, he's the most controversial. Because you look at him and go, this guy's boom, 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 boom. He was a party animal. This guy, what do you, how did he end up on that list? How, how did he get there? Because he prayed. Because he never stopped praying. Number two. Because with all his weaknesses, Samson never stopped fighting. Mm. Your, your fight is greater than your weakness. It's not over while you still have a fight. Verse 29, I'm just reading the book. Samson put his hands on the two pillars, pushing against them. He prayed and he acted on his prayer. He didn't overthink. He didn't do this. He didn't do this. Watch, watch. He didn't go, all right, I, they cut my hair, so there goes my annoying. I probably don't have any strength. I'm wasting my time. Um, yeah, God's not going to be with me again. I, I, I mean, he's not. He's, there's no way. He, <laughs> Sometimes overthinking impedes overcoming. It's the overthinking. We think too much. One of the things we never talk about in church 
and even outside of church is that the vast, overnight, that's been psych psychologically proven, over 90% of the things that we think are going to come to us or harm us never get to us. There's actually a stat that says 98.9. 99% of the things we get anxious about is because we overthink them. I, am I preaching to anyone? Overthinking impedes the overcoming. Stop overthinking. He prayed. He fought back. You have to know how to pray and fight. Pray and fight. One of the reasons why Samson ended up in this hall of fame is because he never backed down from a fight. All right, we gotta, I got to give you something. As a pastor, there are things that we avoid preaching about. I'm being completely honest. I'm telling you how the sausage is made. I'm telling you stuff pastors don't want to tell people. But it's true. Like, there are subject matters that pastors never want to tell people about. Some of them are cultural because they're too controversial. That the Bible tells us we should be preaching about, but people avoid. Because we don't want to offend. And we don't want to get in trouble. And then there are some, like, controversial verses like this one. From Revelation 21.8, John, who is already old, filled with the Holy Spirit, is writing the last book of the Bible, and he starts talking about who's going to end up in the lake of fire. The lake of fire, for those that are interested, is not Folsom Lake. Though you may get confused on occasion. This is the bad place. It wasn't created for humanity. No. It was created for Satan. For the fallen angels. But people, by their own action, and God doesn't send anyone to hell. You send yourself to hell by not accepting what Jesus did on the cross. Stop teaching false religion out there. God's going to send you to hell. God goes, me? I ain't sending anybody to hell. I, I came to give you a chance for you. You have a choice. Here's heaven. Here's heaven. You could choose heaven. You could choose eternal life, new life, abundant life. If you reject it, you end up in a different place. I'm not sending you there. You send yourself to hell. But in that hell list, I didn't say it's a hell of a list. I mean it's a hell list. It begins with what you may not think. There are some obvious culprits in this list. Unbelievers, of course, if you don't believe in Jesus. The corrupt murderers, the immoral, that includes sexual immorality. Those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars. All liars. But that's not the first one mentioned. Can you put up the verse if you can, please, team? Maybe this is too much. Revelation 21.8. Can anybody put it up? Can you back, Armando, can you run back there and make sure somebody back there can? Because can somebody find me Revelation 21.8? I need to prove that it's not in my notes. That, that it's actually the Bible. Revelation 21.8. What's the first person listed or the first characteristic? The cowardly. The first person mentioned is the cowardly. This is the stuff that no one wants. I'm not supposed to tell you that as a pastor. That cowards don't make it. Oh, did thing, the thing just become awkward here? Did the atmosphere just shift? I'm not supposed to tell you that, that, that even before unbelievers and the corrupt and murderers, the first word, maybe my, can somebody, can, can somebody go back there and try to find Revelation 21 verse 8? See, see, Lord, can you supernaturally show up, please, and touch the people back there? See, the power of God can show up. Lord, resurrect Samson if you have to for us to get Revelation 21. It begins with cowards. Somebody say cowards. cowards. Now, you don't need to worry. If you've accepted Christ, you're saved. You're done. 
But this, so you don't have to ever worry. But if I ever become, no, stop it. You're, you're saved. You're in his hands. But cowardly behavior is a serious offense to God. What is a coward? Someone who refuses to stand up, speak up, or fight for righteousness. I'm here to, I, didn't make, I didn't write the book. You need to talk to the writer. Speak to the Holy Spirit. Broken Samson, bruised Samson, blind Samson, and yet he was willing to fight. Why did he make it? Because he wasn't a coward. He wasn't perfect. I mean, he would do the hokey pokey and all that stuff. That, put your right foot in. You, put, you know what I mean. And, but, but somehow, he would never back up from a fight. Samson's life and Jesus on the cross impart the following. Don't ever say you're too broke to fight. Don't ever say you're too bruised to fight. Don't ever say you're too blind to fight. Some of you are broken, bruised, and blind. But I have one question for you. Is there still a fight in you? Is there at least one more fight in you? Are you, are you with me right now? Pastor Sam, what do we need to fight for? We need to fight for our children. I said we need to fight for our children. We need to fight for our children. I, I, and I know we're streaming, so I got to be careful but, but I'm going to say it. Recently here in the state of California, in Sacramento, out of the chambers of our political system in Sacramento, a, a, there was a group of people who gathered and from a choir, from a certain ideology and worldview, and they sang a song. That, and, and the song was this, we're coming after your children, and, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's not Sam. You can read it on Fox, Google it, any network. And, and they said, we're coming after your children, and there's nothing you can possibly do about it. I mean, listen, the enemy, uh, the enemy of righteousness, and it's an ideology, it's not people. And for, for someone to say, we're coming after your children, and there's nothing you can do about it. Do you think I'm a, I may be kicked out as pastor of this church? I don't want to come here on Sunday morning to be your cheerleader. I don't want to come here Sunday morning to make you feel good about yourself. I'm here to tell you, Samson, you may be broken, you may be bruised, you may be blind, but there's still a fight in you. Fight for your children. Fight for your children. Fight for the next generation. Fight for righteousness and justice. Are there any fighters in the house here today? Is there anyone here willing to fight for their children? Is there anyone here willing to fight for their faith? Anyone here willing to fight for your freedom? Come on, they're coming after our children. We're going to fight. And some of you may say, but I'm bruised. Fight. You're broken. Fight. You're blind. Fight. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Fight. Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6.12. Ephesians 6.10. Put on the armor of God and fight. Fight, fight, fight. All right. Last final point. Are there any questions? Came back from Dallas Wired, but that just... This guy still had a prayer. And even though he was bruised, broken, and blind, this guy never backed down from a fight. That's you. And the third and final reason why he made it to the Hall of Fame. With all his weaknesses, Samson was willing to die for his faith. 
What if I tell you it's not over while you're still willing to pay the price? He prayed again and he said, let me die with the Philistines. Samson had to die for his comeback. Samson had to die for his comeback. Samson had to die for his comeback. Here's the great news of what took place on the cross. Jesus died for yours. Samson wanted to come back, but he had to pay a price his own life. Jesus paid the price for your comeback, my comeback. Jesus never said, I am finished. He said, First Corinthians 15, 57 is one of my favorite verses. I pray and hope it becomes one of yours. Thank God that he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Another version reads, we are perfectly victorious over everything through Christ Jesus. Victory is yours. Victory is mine. In the finished work of Christ as it pertains to salvation, you don't have to pay a price. He did it all. But on this side of eternity, as it pertains to living an abundant life, to experiencing your breakthrough, Pastor Sam, do we have to die like Samson? Well, Jesus paid the price for your salvation. You don't have to die for that. But what if I tell you you do have to die for victory here? Oh, Pastor Sam, you mean like physical death? No. Die to self. The moment your ego dies, stop. That's what died here. This is the same guy who wrote his own song. Literally. Remember, he wrote, he wrote his own song and then nominated his own song for a Grammy. That's how crazy he was. He wrote his own song. Where do you see him singing now? Did he write his own song? He literally, his, on that day, that moment, his pride died. His ego died. He, he, he went, it's not about me anymore. He says, I'll die with him. I'll die with them. I'll die with them. I'm willing to pay the price. Are you willing to die to the old version of you? Are you willing to die your pride, your ego, your, your own ambitions? The moment you die to self, the moment you Galatians 2.20, the moment you Romans chapter 6 verse 3, where you're baptized with Jesus and the old you is dead, then, then the God of the payback is activated. I'm done with this. Who was in the crowd? All the, all the haters. All the haters. All the haters were there. All the haters. Oh, boy. Imagine them looking at them. Hey, clown! Come on, clown! What was he doing, by the way, that amused him? The Bible says for a moment he amused them. Did he skip? Did he jump? Did he, was he funny funny? He amused them. Hey, Delilah, guess who's no longer on your lap? Hey, Delilah, guess what? I may be blind, but I'm not sleeping anymore. I'm more woke than you can ever be woke. You want to hear about being woke? I'm awake. I know who God is. I know who God is, and I know who I am in God. Hey, Delilah, that's who you can't fool anymore. I'm here to tell you to get ready 
God will put you back together in front of the people that broke you. Let me say that one more time. God will put you back together in front of the people that broke you. God will, I'm prophesying, God will bless you in the presence of the people that broke you. God will fill you in the presence of those that forsook you. God will use you in the presence of the people that refuse you. If this is you, open up your mouth and shout. Lift up your hands. Let me speak to you prophetically. God's about to lift you up in the presence of those that brought you down. God's about to promote you in the presence of those that persecuted you. God's about to crown you in the presence of those that canceled you. God will shine on you in the presence of those that shunned you. Here's a word for someone. Your comeback will be greater than your setback. Oh, somebody should run with that. I feel the Lord right now as I'm preaching. Your comeback will be greater than your setback. Your comeback will be greater than your setback. Your comeback will be greater than your setback. Your breakthrough will be greater than anything that broke you. Stand with me. You already are. There's victory in your voice. Your voice has authority. There's victory in your prayer. There's victory in your humility when you're willing to die to self. I will repeat the list that marks us this summer. When your hunger is greater than your fear, nothing can stop you. When your praise is louder than your pain, nothing can stop you. When your integrity is more important than your influence, nothing can stop you. When your past is under the blood, your future cannot be stopped. If you receive this message, lift up your hands. I love this. He, I love this. He said, I'm, hey, Delilah, hey, guys, watch me now. You want to laugh at me, amuse me, watch me now. I remembered him. He remembered me. I'm willing to die to self with your hands raised. Hey, Samson, I want you just to put your hands on the pillars. And when I say now, I want you to bring those suckers down. I'm going to get out of the way because I don't have enough liability insurance. But I, I, I want to make this a prophetic act. As this comes down, I am believing that whatever's holding you captive is coming down in the name of Jesus. I sense the Lord. You're about to see everything around you that's holding you back come down. Fear is coming down. Anxiety is coming down. Depression is coming down. Those health concerns and health issues are coming down in the name of Jesus. Are you ready for this? And I'm declaring this over your children and your children's children. Ready? One, two, three. Bring them down, Samson. Somebody shout unto God. Come on, Sam Sam! 
raise your hand. If you really heard from heaven today, no joke, raise both hands. It's not over. It's not over until God wins. It's not over until you win because God wins. It's not over while you'll still have a prayer. Your prayer is greater than your weakness. It's not over while you're still willing to fight. Your fight is greater than your weakness. And it's not over. It's not over while you're still willing to pay the price. He killed more people right there than all the total cumulative amount while he was alive. His greatest victory was in his most, his most difficult moment. He obtained his greatest victory. Not when he was singing to himself, but when he acknowledged the sovereignty of Almighty God. Lift up your hands. The word victory is resonating in the spirit. I hear the Holy Spirit say victory, victory, victory. God is giving you victory, undefiled, perfect, pristine, uncompromised victory. In every circumstance of your life, I sense the Lord. I'm here to tell you the word victory is, the, that's your hashtag for the week. Victory is yours. Victory is yours. Sweet victory. Victory is yours. If you receive this for you and your loved ones, one more time, unleash a shout of praise here in God's house. Let's just make a prayer together. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I receive this word by the authority of your spirit. This word is all me. It's not over until you win, until I win in you. Thank you. Thank you that my prayer in Jesus' name will always be greater than my weakness. Thank you that I am not a coward. You did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. I will fight in Jesus' name for righteousness, for justice, for my children and my children's children. Thank you that you enable me through your spirit to die to self. And nevertheless, I live Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Victory is mine. In Jesus' name. One more clap offering.